Welcome to Marsha's Plate, a black trans inclusive feminist podcast. A place where we know that not everybody is invited to the cookout. And we also know that every single day is a brand new day and we have the power to make a difference today. So let's do this. You can hashtag Marsha's Plate. You can follow us on most social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Just search for Marsha's Plate, M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Y'all ready? Let's get started. Hey, what's up, y'all? <laughs> oh, my peace, God. Peace, peace, peace. What's good? One one. So, <laughs> so we had a bunch of responses to our last show. Yes, yes, yes. The mics are on. People are listening. <laughs> the mics are on, and people are listening. Yeah. So, yeah. where do we start? I'm sorry. I'm a sorry. lot, honey. The emotional Virgo start, honey. Um. I think I, first of all, I want first of all I want to say that um I came on this platform to play devil's advocate. You know, sometimes I will play devil's advocate because me and Diamond do have similar views on a lot of the things that we will be talking about. I'll take the hit. I'll be devil's advocate just to get the conversation going. You know, sometimes I may play hotep. Sometimes I may play pick me. Sometimes I may play respectability Negro, but. I do want y'all to keep in mind that I think quite a few of the listeners heard with their feelings and not with their ears. I never gave the impression or said anything that would lead to anything. I never said nothing negative about sexy red sexuality. I love that aspects of her. Um, but honestly, I I am I am bored with it. I am bored with it, but I don't, I'm not expecting her to dress a certain way. I'm not the type of girl, you know, um, dip out club song that I wrote is about sucking dick and dipping out. I'm not the respectability girl. I be trying not to cuss on here so that we don't have to get censored too much. You know what I no, mean? No, 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 no. We are, we are classified as an explicit podcast we can cuss we can do what the fuck we want to do. Okay. So i don't i don't want you to be in that that box you can be free to speak how you want to speak that's exactly why i did that i've been putting myself in the box this whole time 
Okay, first of all, no, I don't have nothing to do with, I don't have nothing bad to say about Sexy Red popping her puss being seen, busting it open. I don't have nothing bad to say about her being a condom. You know, I'm a condomless preference condom girl myself. You know what I mean? Um, I don't, I don't have nothing bad to say about that. My issue was the balance. I want there to be balance. With her being the person who is catching all of the kids' ears, I want her to have something that's not something that's not superficial or surface level to talk about and teach them, you know, and, and expands amongst the children. You know, I like to um deep throat, dip out, you know what I mean? Dip out is available on all streaming platforms. Um, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not mad at that at all. Also do want to make another point. Me and Diamond do disagree about industry plans. <laughs> I am a bit of a tin hat kind of girl, I will admit, but I do think I do think that it's definitely valid. Um, that there are people who are pushed, people outside of the Black community are in charge of a lot of these labels, and they do have the ability to push narratives on us. This is nothing new. It's a bit hotepian, but it's it's factual. I don't think that they're sitting around in a boardroom like, mm, which nigga or which nigga gal can we get to, you know, to make more <laughs> more ratchet this year this month you know what i mean i don't think that they're actually doing that but i do think that it's realistic to believe that a lot of these white people don't know nothing about our culture a lot of these white people have a lot of control over our culture and and what we see in the forefront of it that that's my thought all right so i went up there that ain't my thought my thought was y'all came for being like this negro is old you want sexy red to go to the White House? Well, you want to run for Congress? No, I think that at the times that we're in, any black person that has a platform, I would love anybody. That's why we talk about voter registration or getting out the vote and promote promote it. We're in some serious times, so I don't think uh, you know. I'm not saying you have to do anything. I just think anybody that has a platform should use it to encourage folks to vote, vote um, and be educated about the upcoming elections, not just on the federal level, but on the local and the statewide level. Right now, Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, she's out there doing an HBCU tour. A part of that definitely is to get folks engaged early because what often happens in our community is that politicians wait till the last minute and it's like October and they haven't been doing that work all year to get folks engaged. And we know in the past, things like Rock the Vote, I knew about Saucy, so everybody calm down, I ain't that unplugged. I am an analog girl in the digital world. Um, I made that very clear coming on the show, so I ain't plugged in, okay? But I'm plugged in enough to know about Meg and Saucy and what they have done. All I'm saying is I, wish, I, I would, would like to see more folks doing that earlier. That's all, like no pressure. <laughs> Like, like sexy red don't gotta don't gotta do it or not and really have money to do this work putting that into these organizations that are already on the ground so they can team up and have that edutainment so the people doing their thing i'm gonna go to the show right it's my jam and also find out if my registration is still valid especially if you live in the south that's all <laughs> like it's all good well i mean it was you know oh for me, it was it was a bit more being tapped in. Like I'm aware of who Sexy Red is, and my issues with her are are very blatant. Or as of our last tape, and my issues 
with her were very blatant. I don't like the fact that she works with um the baby after his old after his whole anti-LGBT anti you know HIV rants. I, I don't like the fact that she works with him. I don't like the fact that she supports the whole drill culture. I don't like the fact that she runs around with AK-47s in her video. In her What's video. the drill culture? That's the whole thing. That that's the current like gangster music. That's the current bang bang shoot 'em up music. It's the drill music, and that is what she is part of very much. So I don't like that she perpetuates that. Her popping her pussy, her twerking, her being a condom, all of those things, great fine and great for her. Okay. Um. <laughs> So last episode, I was a little gagged. I didn't, I didn't, we have, what makes this show spontaneous is, you know, we all bring different things to, in regard to our subject matter, and we are going to talk about it. And we don't really sit down and line for line discuss how we're going to talk about it. It just comes up. So sometimes we are going to be in di on different sides of certain issues and different Oh, that. So I was definitely a gag by where we was going with it because it was given very church auntie a little bit. Um, it was given, you know, where it was like, oh, well, what is happening? I don't, I don't, I don't know what's happening here. But I do want to ask this just to kind of for because I think this is a classism conversation. This is not um, necessary. And there's some respect about respectability politics, of course, in there. Um, let me ask y'all individually. In regard, let's talk about systems a little bit. So in regards to systems, this one is going to be really, really easy. So how do you, particularly you personally, show radical divestment in, we're going to talk about other systems too, but this one is easy, in Eurocentric beauty standards? How do you show that in your life? Just any example, like, you know, if you have divested, if you have, if you have divested from Eurocentric beauty standards, because we know that's a problem in our, that we're battling against as Black people, how do you radically show that you are against Eurocentric beauty standards? Baby, honey, where, where do I start? I mean, we can we can literally go from from head to toe, um, mm -hmm. from my natural hair to my braids. To and when I say natural, I don't I don't mean you know a curly afro wig. I mean I I wear my hair as it grows out of my head, regardless of what texture it is that day, regardless of how it's seen. Um, I have had plastic surgery, and I have never had any interest in applying Eurocentric features to what I already had. If anything, I wanted my body to be more Afrocentric. A lot of people don't even believe that I've had face surgery because I don't have a skinny white woman nose. Okay. So what about you, Jay? What are some what are some things that you do to show that you have divested from Eurocentric beauty standards? What does that look like for you personally? Um, I'll say for me today, what it looks like often is even just with a haircut. Like I get very like I am a black, I I look like a cisassoon black man haircut mustache i'm around negro <laughs> like i'm not i'll get the like typical you know what i'm saying like you know kind of pencil whatever like very black um that's one way i mean 
using me in different spaces, uh, whether that's jewelry or clothing. Um, that's just kind of my default growing up, whether it was like you said with Brie, like with braids. Um, I had to wait till I was 17 or 18 to cut my hair because my mama church respectability stuff. But <laughs> so I had to rock a texturizer. Lord <laughs> have mercy. But um, but then I was able to cut all that crap out of my hair, just be natural with my hair after that. Um, but if my hair grew, because I was dumb and I cut it off after I had lots before I started testosterone, like right before, it can't grow back. It's right. But if I, I would have kept it, I would still have lots. <laughs> so Okay. But that's one way for me in terms of appearance, I guess. Okay. That that makes that makes total sense. I think that that is a typical thing when we see black people, their hair, you know, definitely not getting any nose jobs and you know, not to shame anybody that's getting nose jobs. That's on you. It's your choice, your body. Um but you know, there are certain things that we do that we show that Absolutely. we are against those Absolutely. systems. Nothing against the nose job. I just want to say that nothing against yeah. the nose job. those who want it, but I like my Jackson 5 nostrils. So, yes. All right, let's talk about another system. How do you radically, and I want to emphasize this, how do you radically show on a personal level that you have divested from white supremacy? On my platform, honey, especially after I reached 100K on TikTok, I do not expect discuss white folks unless it's in the negative light honey and i'd show black people in all facets to remind us that we are not a monolith honey but the cracker is going to get cracked if i'm discussing them at all because for real i want to devote all of my time and energy to people of a certain hue or people who can develop hue in the sun mm -hmm. what about you Jay? for me, uh, that shows up in just like how I try to live my daily life. So like what kind of news I consume, what kind of media I consume. Um, I try to consume black, and particularly when it comes to media, I try to consume black media first. I try to support black businesses first if I can. Um, you know, I just, that's for me, it's, it's a, it, yeah, it's a lifestyle situation. I mean, like, mm -hmm. you, like you said, like, it's not just about, um, knowing the rhetoric it's about how i like that's why it's in this question because it's about how i live my life so anytime i have an opportunity i try to plug other black people anytime other... something comes up for me i try to, you know what i'm saying like that's you know i just try to build if i can you know how do you show other people so socially how do y'all show other people that you have divested from white supremacy uh, you just said you use your platform in a way um brie jay yours was about kind of how you you know consume things for yourself and da, da 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 but how do you show other people that you have divested from white supremacy i do it i do it through word of mouth i i feel like my skill is honestly the reason that you got me on this podcast my my ability to speak and connect with people um because for whatever reason People can sense that I speak from the heart and right or wrong, you know, but my my way of doing that is simply through education. I, I show people by teaching, teaching things that I learn um, and also taking people on a journey of education. Like I use my platform to teach people as I'm learning as well. And like I said, um, it goes back to the point I made earlier. For me, it's all about representation. You know, I'm very cerebral. I'm the psychologist. So it's all about what people see. We believe what we see more than what we hear. Mm -hmm. So 
I show people, I educate people with visuals. About to Jay. Like, how do they know? Like, when they walk up on you or see you in a spot, um, and, and see you engage with people, how do other people know that you have divested from white supremacy? Could they know I mean, that? Not just by looking at somebody. No, I don't think anybody okay. can know what anybody is by just mm -hmm. looking at somebody. I mm -hmm. think through conversation. Um, for me, it's definitely through conversation or like activity, events, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, yeah, I don't think you can, you know, a lot of people can look like they know talking about not as we all know and not know what they're talking about mm -hmm. all right so let's do two more what about patriarchy how do you show people how do you show them how do you show people that you engage with or you know on a looking at you or what you do how do people know that you have divested or if you have divested from patriarchy Again, for me, it's it's in a for the main thing. The main thing is is an appearance thing. Without even opening my mouth, you know, I come online um, as me. I come online comfortable, you know. Me being somebody who has versatile presentation and her femininity, I don't hide that. You catch me online in the bonnet. You catch me online, um, you know, looking raggedy. You might catch me online, literally in bed you know, as I'm waking up. So I hope and I intend for that image to project on other femmes and on other women that it's about being comfortable in your skin and not about looking presentable for somebody else, not about the male gaze. What about you, Jay? How do, how do you show other people that you have divested mm -hmm. from patriarchy? Is there a way that you do that? Is there something that you do to show other people that you have divested from patriarchy? Yeah, in converse, like I said, in, in conversations and moments when it makes like I can interject mm -hmm. and say something or bring to the attention of or educate, you know, um, you know, particularly yeah, that's one of the big ways that's with around like dudes who are cis assumed or cis mm -hmm. or, you know what I'm saying, trans dudes are, or trans guys who are not, or masculine people who are not cis assumed, who sometimes can be very, very, very patriarchal, um, calling in in those moments, right? Because all of that is linked to like the conditioning um, that we all have received. Right. And so I try to call in on those moments and, and ask people to do the same for me. And then in workspaces as well, where, you know, even in work environments where it'll be like a bunch of cis people, but y'all coming at this woman crazy, even if she's white, but y'all doing it because she's a woman. You would not respond to this person that way. You know what I mean? So that for me, that, that's how it, that's how people to me can know um, through my actions, not the behavior. The behavior. All right, so mm -hmm. what about classism? How do you show that you, if you do, I don't know if you do or if you don't, it was with you yet last week. So if you have divested from classism, mm -hmm. how do you show, mm -hmm. whether your presentation, behavior, how do you show that you have divested from the harmful, oppressive system 
of classism. Mm -hmm. How do you show that? Baby, I ain't going to tell no lies on this podcast. On this. <laughs> I have not divested completely from classes. I am anti-elitist. Yes. What's the difference? Okay. For me, how I judge class has nothing to do or has very little to do with um, income. How I class judge is a class, you can't take income out of class. Okay, well, for me, what I what I do judge people on is being a psychologist. I know that people don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. I know that there are people who are economically affected psychologically because they're just ignorant to it to a lot of shit, right? And I, I know that I grew up around those people. I see those people even today online. I see those people in real life. I treat people like that, right? I, on a personal level, I I don't. You you have to have a certain amount of education to get in my space. You have to have a certain amount of education and social awareness. Mm -hmm. Not not no formal white man PWI education. I mean. You have to not be racist. You have to not consciously push racist ideology. You know, I told a story last week. You know, I had a nigga in my house hollering some motherfucking free R. Kelly. The way I scooted his ass up out of my front door, you know what I mean? And that, to me, I know is affected by class. Are really? you? Whoa, 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 wait. You so you you you're naming these racist and these patriarchal things like you you know yes we push out our Kelly supporters Bill Cosby supporters yes racist white people will push out but we talk about class do you push ghetto girls out your house because that's a class thing hood rats and ghetto girls out of your house that don't have education that you just said is a criteria to be in your space you said education so what does that look like okay and and maybe. My vision of, of class is completely different because, again, I am the ghetto girl. I am the ghetto friends. No shade. Um, I come from the ghetto family. Um, so for me, that class is more about social awareness and, and how you treat other people. That's how I think of class. And I know that it's not directly affected by income, but income has a huge, a huge part to do on it. If you're somebody who's focused on eating or surviving or having a place to live, you may not be introduced to James Baldwin. You know, you you may not be aware that, um, you may not be aware of a lot of things that I need my friends to be aware of. And when you say the ghetto girl, I think of Sexy Red because that's how she's classified in the media as the new ghetto girl rapper, right? No, honey, I want her at my house. Okay. But, but on the same hand, I, I don't want her, if she come in my house talking some transphobic shit, something crazy, she's getting scooted the fuck out. And, and for me, that's what it has to do with class. Class is about respecting people, in, in my opinion. So maybe my perception of class classism is specifically is, is about your social class. You're listening to Houston's own MP Trans 101. Now listen, I know that what is basic trans 101 for me could just be the beginning for you. So this is for your basic ass. <laughs> 
think it's a perfect time to talk about class. Okay, Google, what is classism? Class discrimination, also known as classism, is prejudice or discrimination on the basis of social class. It includes individual attitudes, behaviors, systems of policies and practices that are set up to benefit the upper class at the expense of the lower class. So, in layman's terms, these are bougie motherfuckers who think that they are better than other people because they have certain things that makes it look like they have social status. This could be education. This could be expensive things. This could be where they live. This could be how they talk. This is how they dress. All these kind of superficial things that makes people, because of the social construct of class, think that they are higher. And so they have bought into that mindset that they are better than other people because they have these things. That gives the perspective that they are in a higher social class. And so they treat and judge people differently, usually negatively, if they feel like you are of a lower class. That is classism. Okay, Google, what is social class? A social class or social stratum is a grouping of people into a set of hierarchical social categories, the most common being the upper, middle, and lower classes. Membership in a social class can, for example, be dependent on education, wealth, occupation, income, and belonging to a particular subculture or social network. All right, so this is different categories that people are going to be judging you by when they're trying to judge your class or discriminate against you about your class. So, you know, the first two are easy. So education. Education is going to be, do you have an education at all? Are you intelligent? What kind of words do you speak? Do you have a big, vast vocabulary? Do you speak multiple languages? Bonjour, oui, oui. No, tenetes, dinero. <laughs> Where did you get your education from? The more upper one is going to be, did you get your PhD? Not just a bachelor's, not just an associate's. Did you get your PhD or your doctorate? Um, where did you get that from? Like, what school did you go to? Did you go to uh, Ivy League? Did you go to Stanford, Harvard, Columbia, and all these places? <laughs> did you even go to boarding school, private school? So, like, how open was your school to everybody else? Did your parents have to pay for it and pay a lot of money to get you there as opposed to going to a public free school? See the difference? Or homeschooled. And the lower class is going to be, did you even go to school at all? Did you get your GED? Did you, you know, did you go to a community college? Yeah, they're going to be judging you based off those things. Did you get a trade? Like, you know, did you, did you, did you skip school altogether and didn't go to a particular school that t teaches you about how to do a trade? Like, they can judge you for that education. What education do you have? Then the other one is wealth. Wealth is going to be money, but not just money as in how much you get an hour or what's your salary. It's your assets. Like, do you have a house? Are you renting? Are you a homeowner? Do you have a mortgage on that home or do you actually own it? How much property do you have? Are you homeless? Living off the grid? If somebody 
makes an assessment of your wealth, they're not just making an assessment of how much money you have in the bank, but also things that you own, your property, your land, things that have value. That's wealth, but income is a part of it. Income is how much you make an hour. Is it minimum wage? Ooh. You hear that tone I just had? That ooh, that is it minimum wage? That, that was some judgment in it. That's how subtle it can be. That's how subtle classism can come off. Also, your occupation. What kind of work do you actually do? Are you a bus driver? You remember? Somebody said that they wouldn't date a bus driver. If you are a maid, if you are a garbage man, if you are a construction worker, if you are a teacher, if you are a fast food worker, People can judge you by whatever occupation that you have and put you in a lower class in their mind if you do a job that they think is beneath them. The other things that Google said was a part of class discrimination and, you know, social class is your subculture or your social network. Okay, Google, what is a subculture? A subculture is a group of people within a cultural society that differentiates itself from the conservative and standard values to which it belongs, often maintaining some of its founding principles. Subcultures develop their own norms and values regarding cultural, political, and sexual matters. Okay, I see, I see, I see. So some examples of subculture in the United States would be um, the LGBT community, hip-hop fans. Um, golf people, heavy metal fans, bikers, feminists, incels, divine nine, various church denominations and religious groups, YouTubers, and <laughs> i.e. what you're listening to, podcasters. Now, your social network is going to be all the connections, the social connection that you have connected, your relationships who you are connected to, whether it be your rich father and, and politicians, your educated mother, because she's a teacher and she exposed you to the world, or, you know, is your social network, um, you know, hippies or drug dealers or uh, boating people, people who are into this and into that. Usually social networks are a group of people, like not necessarily friends, but they have the same area of interest. They might be, they might have the same ethnic group, family, friends, you know, just things that you have in common. That is your social network. People judge who you hang around? What's the, what's the old saying? Birds of a feather flock together. So if you have a sex worker friend and your homeboys is like, oh, we know she a hoe. So you hanging out with her, you must be a hoe too. She a low class stripper girl. But you, you trying to give off this good girl vibe, but that's your homegirl. So I probably think that you a hoe too. So I'm not believing this good girl vibe. I think you a low class slut bucket. And so I might treat and act in a way that I wouldn't because now I think something different to you because your friends are of a social class. And now I think you are of that same low ass class. So you see how classism works. We know what this looks like. 
I think it's easy for us to tell who has an extreme class politic because they usually are ridiculous sometimes. Like, for example, remember Regine from Living Single? She had a pretty clear class politic. You remember Tony Childs from Girlfriends? She had a clear class politic. <laughs> that was kind of part of their personality. These type of people enjoy the finer things in life, and that includes people who they think are the finer people. <laughs> this could be things, this could be attitudes, this could be the way you talk, this could be the things that you buy, this is the quality of things, this could be places that you go, how you speak. All things that point to, that can point or that they want it to point, that they live a certain lifestyle, a certain class, whether they do or not, because it seems for some of these people, it don't even matter. They still want to give off that image. And because they value these things that show off a certain lifestyle, things that don't show off that lifestyle or that image that they want to project, they devalue. These people, when it is an extreme classist politic, it's easy to tell. You can tell they're going to turn their nose up. They're going to say negative things about people who they think are the lower class. But I want you to understand they don't need to be in an upper class to have this vibe. And in my experience, most people who are in the upper class, because it is tacky to give off that vibe, they are really, really good at hiding it. So usually people who are giving off that bougie vibe, they're really not that rich. But I want you to understand that anybody, not just rich people, not just wealthy people, anybody can have a classist politic. Anybody can have the audacity to think that they are better than you because they have more education, a better education, wealth, a better occupation, more income. They're from a different culture. They're from the main culture. They have a different social network. They hang around the finest of people. They have the best luxury bag. They have a better car. They went to a better school. They went to get their clothes at a different mall and you had to go to the good ghetto mall. Even something as ridiculous as them asking you, why don't you have a savings account? Having a savings account is a privilege. <laughs> and so if you don't have one, somebody can judge you and think that you, oh, you're just one of those poor, irresponsible with money people with bad credit and not a two-parent home to teach you financial literacy. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It could be anything that they can make a class distinction with and they are classes. So I hope that this gave you a clear definition of what classism is the basic 101 version. There are tons of deep conversations that many people have had and you can explore that. And in this episode, we will have moments where you have to pay attention to where class comes up. And I hope you use it as a learning moment to explore and discuss. This has been Trans 101. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, 
I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. (laughs) So thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please, do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. And that is about money. That's about um, your um, your race. There's some anti-blackness in there. There is anti-poverty. There is anti, um, there's some religious aspects in there. It's, it's entangled in white supremacy. It's entangled in patriarchy. It's entangled in um, anti, it's so many levels to class, but because it's about your social standing. That's what mm-hmm. classism is. And if you don't fit particular standards of class, then you are seen as the lower class. And yeah. so, and, and education is involved in it, money is involved in it, race is involved in all those things in regards to class. If if we're speaking on class from just like a, a bougie to- Black bourgeoisie. In, in in the in the deeper meaning, I I don't want people who social who are socially unaware that I'm classist against those kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but that's what I'm saying. I'm not an elitist. I'm not an elitist because, um, when it comes to uh, if you compare somebody bougie to ghetto, I'm definitely on the ghetto spectrum. I'm I'm not into bougie. You know, I I might could give that at times. I might give that impression. You know what I mean? But. It's it's not a comfortable space for me. That's that's not where I live. I I live with the ghetto. You don't think it's a privilege to be socially aware sometimes in certain circumstances? Oh, absolutely. That's that's why I think that I'm classist against people who aren't socially aware. Now, I could have a conversation with you. I could treat you, but in my personal life, in my friend group, I don't want to have to teach people. I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to have to work. Okay. What about you, Jay? What is it about? What do you for yourself? So, hold on. What is hold uh-huh. Yeah, so class is like gender, a social construct. Yes. So it depends on where you're at. And when we talk, it's like, well, what about We're in America. girls? And I, I literally said, what? We're in America. We're yeah, in America. I said, where I'm from, I said, ratchet people vote. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's, you know what I mean? And so like the class dynamics where I'm from, when it comes to access, when it comes to, um, just access to things. A lot of times people don't think they should go together, like the type of opportunities, but you're still like in poverty or poor, you still vote. Like that, it don't, it doesn't equal, even though the formula in white America is a certain kind of way, and the formula for some black folks, depending on where you're at, it don't always equal the same, depending on where you're at. I live in a, out from a great migration industrial city with a strong working class background of the industrial shit. So like, like being poor and black and voting goes together there. You know what I'm saying? In a way that it might not down south. In a way where maybe down south it might be a lot more bougie, associated more with like bougie and and I don't know because I don't live down there. I'm just throwing this out there. You let me know, Diamond. But like sororities, fraternities, black elite. I don't know. I don't know. But I know where I'm from. It's not. It's not. 
that's not the that's not the correlation. It's not that's not exclusive to black people who are quote unquote, like having an education and knowing shit. It's not exclusive to black people that get to go to college, right? Okay. Or get to go to a, a, a big WI or HBCU. But back to the question um, is how does it show up in no. my regular life? Yeah, it shows how up do in you my show that you're dismantling classism? Like, what does it look like? How do you? I show that I'm dismantling classism, which is an ongoing thing? All of the things we're talking about dismantling, you don't dismantle it. It's an ongoing thing for life. There's always going to be room for growth. I just want to put that out there because if anybody thinks they have gotten to the position of being like, I live my lifestyle, like I've eliminated like classism or racism or misogyny or patriarchy, you're lying to mm-hmm. yourself. And that's problematic. This is an ongoing journey. This thing is generational, right? Yeah. And so yeah. when, we, when we get to places where we like, I know, fuck you up. No, no, no. The whole point of this and Black feminism is to interrogate. It's a tool mm-hmm. for us to interrogate the shit. But so there are some things that have already been worked separation. out. There I know what I'm saying. have already it, been worked out. For sure. But I'm saying the opportunity is in the consciousness raising. Mm-hmm. The opportunity is, is, is in the education. The opportunity is in being able to have those conversations so they're not just reserved for Black people that get to go and take be women's studies majors. Mm-hmm. Right? The point. Because in those spaces, it's interrogated. In those spaces, people say problematic things. In those spaces, that's where they're working out that dissertation that becomes intersectionality or becomes da 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 that we celebrate in, that, in academia and the terms that we use, but such no war, that has to incubate and be pushed and pulled and things. So it requires, that's exclusive to there. So I'm, that's why I'm saying that. Um, I joke about this all the time and I'm not, this is, I joke about this because most, most of the people that I, that I hear complain about respectability politics are people that have utilized respectability politics to complain about it. I've heard nobody in my life that I know that's poor and poverty, none of the I know that don't have a degree talking about respectability politics. And that's not to say it's not valid, but it is something to keep in mind when we're talking about class and talking about respectability politics, because a lot of folks who don't have access to the money or access to the education don't be complaining about this shit. And it's, I just think it's just important to keep that like in that interrogation as we continue to interrogate and use these tools to get free. You know what I'm saying? Like, All right. Well, let me, it's important. Let me say this. Yeah. So a lot of people that there was a couple of people who I know personally have degrees, but there are a couple of people who push back on the conversation that we had last week that does not have degrees and they were bringing up respectability politics. There are tons of people who may, they might not use the language of respectability politics, but the concept that that academic type of situation were, they do understand that and they do speak on it in regards to and understand the concept that, oh, this is a class thing that this is, they want me to be respectable they want they don't respect me because i am not of a certain class and so they do understand that you don't have to be degreed to get that concept definitely like i said i haven't <laughs> big old i statement in that moment mm. um but the que- so the question though again what was the exact question again my bad how do you radically divest from classism and i said the beauty th- the beauty thing was really really easy because we have Right. We interrogated it so much. We know that straight hair, little noses, um, colorism, and being lighter, closer to white. 
that we know that that's really common we we've been fighting against that kind of image of beauty for so long that there is a common denominator i personally think uppity negroes i think that people who that classism i think people in capitalist i think those particular there's those particular systems are more pervasive then when we think about white supremacy and racism, because we can easily call those out because they've been interrogated so much. But when we talk about classism, it gets a little bit more difficult for people to actually see where it shows up in their politics. So this is what I'm going to say. So for me, and how do I fight against it or how do I resist it? Is this question? I resist it again in like, my regular schmangular daily and how I interact with people and how I navigate the world as a working class person. I'm a working class person. I don't, I'm the only person I think on the show that does not have a degree. Okay. And that impacts my economy and I've had to navigate it and it's become more complicated, particularly after transitioning. Right. And so, um, but I try to take the education capital, I leverage that for opportunities, not just for myself or others. The social capital that I have, I try to leverage, have the money capital to leverage. So that's for me, that's how the class stuff shows up or with my family or people who I'm friends with. I have friends from across the class spectrum. I got friends who are, you know, professors and I got friends who don't work. I got friends on disability. You know what I'm saying? So I've always kind of been at a cross, a cross uh, class situation in my entire life and kind of just always kind of been navigating a lot of different spaces at once. And so I'm hyper aware of classism. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whether I'm around, I'm around people who know I don't and make it very clear. I have a hyper awareness. And so I try to utilize being in these different spaces to communicate or like educate in those spaces and call out shit. But also like uplift people. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like the example you said, like coming into my house, like you can go to my house, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have a fucking problem with that. Um, but I also wanna make clear that I do understand why people had some issues or had some, you know, like shit with last week, with the last show. Like, I'm not confused about that. But I, I think it is important that we we pull things apart and not conflate everything. It's, I'm not saying you're doing that diamond or three, but I'm just saying, as we talk about this, because the same shit that, <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't all the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, media images saying that there should be more diverse images of Black women in the media is not saying that there should be less sexy red. Diamond even said, yeah, there's not as many like Queen Latifans, da 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 da. All, what I'm saying is, we all know and agree that there's not enough diverse, complicated, whatever fucking images of Black women. All I was doing was reinforcing that and saying that that pie that's 100%, they used to might have 30% of like different quote unquote, that wasn't cis heteronormative or perceived as hypersexual, right? Black women in media, right? Particularly in hip hop. I'm saying that even though there's more like diversity in that now, that, that share of the pie is smaller. That's all I'm saying. I wish it was bigger. That's what I was commenting on. I wanna talk about the voting thing. Um, so because the, the context was, the context of what we were talking about was Sexy Red and um, what she should be doing with her platform. So demographically, Black voters versus eligible voters in 2020, young Black voters 
showed out more than older Black voters compared to the larger full demographic of voters. The larger full everybody demographic, demographic of voters, older people come out to vote. It is opposite with Black people. Younger people come out more to vote than older Black people. Okay, this as a whole, comparing the Black voter to the mass U.S. voters. So that's one. So it is a myth that young Black voters don't show up to vote. As far as gender, women show up in the Black community more than men. And we show up more than the larger community, the larger community. So those two facts show that Black young women show up more to vote than other demographics in our Black community and more than the larger community. These is the stats. Mace, complete that, that, is, that is very true. Wait, wait, wait. But so if that yeah. is very if that is wait, wait, wait. If that is very true, we are the last people that need to be focused on when we are talking about voting, when we're pushing some narrative that this young girl should use her platform to vote. Now you can say, oh, I want everybody to do it. But we were talking about sexy red. And I would have said that if we were talking about a difference, hold up. I would have said that if we were talking about a different celebrity. So let me be clear. If the top, if, if Brie was talking about any other celebrity mm -hmm. here, that was not my topic. I would have said exactly the same thing about that celebrity using their platform around voting. If you have noticed, I usually be like, by the way, voting, by the way, voting. So I'm not just saying this to say that to other people. I'm also doing it. And there is like, I don't understand why that like cause folks to feel some kind of way when it's like don't you want everybody on their platform for voting yeah everybody has their own prerogative but like in an ideal world even though that's the number the percentage of that turnout and actual turnout ain't high so it's like yeah it's more proportionately but we know we got that clip from Reese talking about 70 percent of voters in texas did not turn out to vote so like in 2020, oh, I, I have to, I have to correct you what you said earlier, because you said something different. You said you was talking because you're not from the South. You just said that you're not from the South. No, I'm not. I'm not. I am from Texas. I'm not from Texas, but I live in Texas and I'm involved in politics here. And we have the highest black voter turnout in the country. Most states, but is that that's just the facts. There's a lot of non-voters. Yes, but Not your, you know, you know, we're, I'm, whatever, you know, you have your set of people that's always going to turn out. Mm -hmm. We're talking about non-voters. So my point is, is like if we had 100 black people that lived here, mm -hmm. but only like 40 of them really regularly come to vote. And that's the numbers we're basing that off of. We mm -hmm. should still be trying to reach that other 60 percent because there's a lot on the line. So even though those who have turned out, this is not to knock anything. Wisconsin turned out. But it, we could still higher because we know we can have different outcomes and Stacey Abrams could be potentially governor of, you know what I'm saying? Like there's Most always black room people. for more people to turn out to vote. 
<laughs> most black like people who vote live in the South because most black people in this country live in the South. But I, I, I just want to make it, I want to shine a light on it. It may not be you, it may be people who are listening. When there's, when, when there's a conversation about respectability politics, class, and we're talking about Black women, massage noir, which is the context of the conversation that we were having, in the, and how they represent in community, because a lot of things that were said was about their, their representation and what they should do. And it was the negative backlash against Sexy Red. That was the context of the conversation. So if we're bringing up voting platforms and what they I'm should be doing. How was what I said negative? That's what I don't understand. How was me saying that it'd be dope if Sexy Red used her platform to encourage It's not people, negative. Or me saying that I, why, I'm not, but I'm saying like, I'm not sitting here saying, I think that all women who are rappers should take on all this labor. Like, no, I'm just like, I don't understand how that's equivalent to what Bree was talking about. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't, think like that, we was shit. you know, you don't think that all women should do it. I'm going to stare the pot. I'm going to stare the pot and I'm going to stare the pot from my own perspective. I'm not even going to use you for me to have all of these expectations of sexy red. I think it's very misogynistic and, it is. And, and I think it's very anti-black. And I say this all the time on my own platforms. I am consistently a work in progress because I am inherently racist, transphobic, we are, and, misogyn and misogynistic. This is the society that I grew up in. The people who raised me are inherently anti-Black. But like Jay said a few um, a couple of minutes ago, we all are working through it. And then there's, but we can't keep showing different things. Can I, can, well, can I things. ask a question, Dylan? Mm -hmm. Can I ask a question? I just said, if we were talking about any celebrity, regardless of their gender, I literally would have said the same thing. My question to you is, why does that not matter in this moment? Um, I think that when we are having a context about massage noir and we are in, in of, of the attack of a, a black woman and we go to voting, about a black when we go to voting when black young black women this is a young black woman artist who is speak to young hood black women when we point to voting when there's tons of other things to talk about in regards to respectability politics and massage noir it's, I the, think assumption, it's the assumption that the black ghetto girls don't vote that don't, they don't vote that about they, that's not, there's I mean, not being enough done that, that wasn't there's but not that being wasn't enough even, done like this is what I'm talking about, about miscommunication, because that was not what I was trying to imply at all. What I was trying to imply was it was a psychomic because I just thought it'd be dope. That's it. Like, no more, no less. We talked about Sexy Red, and we were also talking about some other stuff related to voting, and I just threw that out there because I think that would be cool. No, it was not because I don't think ratchet girls don't vote. Like, I responded to you, Diamond, when, when you said it. I said, well, I'm rat ratchet people vote, ratchet women vote, everybody votes. So it's not a, when I said that, let's clear the air. I was not suggesting, even though that's how it landed for some folks, that I don't think 
ratchet women vote. Ratchet, that's not what I was saying. Because I know ratchet women vote, that's why I think it would be dope that people that listen to Sexy Red do vote and can bring their friends to the concert and they can find out whether or not they're fucking registered or not. That's all. But they're it's not the demographic that that, that 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 is a problem in. That's I'm it. Just, why I shared those No, Diamond, I'm saying there's always room, listen, there's always room for more black people to turn out and vote. Okay, I don't care what demographic it is. It don't matter if the majority, there's if there's more room and we room could have made a difference in the elections in Texas or Georgia or Wisconsin or wherever, that means there's more room. And that's all mm -hmm. I'm saying, because the second is like, the most people that turn out for the Democrat party is first black women, second black men, period. So like mm -hmm. we turn out to vote as black people, but not enough of us do when it comes to our specific area sometimes because a lot of times we only turn out we're in presidential elections and then people are engaging us and because people have not been engaging us the way they have since obama we don't have the same level of turnout all the time even though we have the spike in those midterms because of the special elections and all the national attention that they receive so i'm just starting from a place of i think there's always room for more black people to vote that's my default i don't give a fuck what demographic i don't care if it's 99 a black women turnout if they're still at one percent and we're still getting the results we're getting in these elections and they could potentially make a difference i still want that extra one percent to vote i don't care what demographic it is I know. so like let's chill. that's that's all i'm saying like by I default i understand how it got lost in translation but just like that's where i'm that's where i was coming from with that i think a big point too is also we need to keep in mind that um who are we voting for a lot of people mm -hmm. don't feel motivated because a lot of people are aware enough to realize that it's it's the the lesser of the two evils. A lot of people are aware to realize that they haven't had a true representative since Obama in the presidential election. Obama is also a classist too. Um, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we have to um. I think it's the context of the conversation why it was problematic. It's not that it's a problem that you're trying to get people to vote. That's not an issue. It's just that when we are having a conversation about this girl being a bad representation, like of a conversation about this girl being a bad representation to womanhood, Black womanhood, and she being an industry plant to be negative as a negative, as if as if even us degreed people, <laughs> degreed people still have to battle against the Jezebel image, still got to battle against the Mammy image, still has to battle you against know, I know that, and a lot of Black trans men know that too. We, we, <laughs> we know, we know that regardless, which is why class is so pervasive, we know that regardless of all of these markers that we could, you got you can have a hood girl who has a real Louis Vuitton stand in the projects with another girl who don't have a real one. And she will be a classes in that moment. I got a real Louis, even though we both got $8 section eight rents living in the project. I, my sugar daddy got me a real Louis and you are beneath me because I got, you got a fake one. That's what that's 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 it's easy for us to look at Oprah or Obama. We just brought up Obama. It's easy for us to look people with tons of money and see class. But there is a class issue in regards to how we talk, because we know that um, um, that how we talk, especially if you grew up in church, you know how we talk is a part of class your diction how you use it not sounding hood not being loud moving through a space with grace 
even in that conversation that we were having, there was some code switching going on. Now, if you go back and listen to it, uh, Bree, you was putting on a little, when you said you was from Maryland, you put on your Maryland, you went from talking like you, you had been talking and you put on your Maryland accent even heavier. <laughs> oh my God. Yes, even heavier. So th that's a class thing too. We know how to code switch back and forth. And so those elements, we there are some people who are not rich and, e and easy to see as needing to work on class. There are people who are in our community who are poor, undergreed, and still have class things because as Bree just said, we are all working through we are, we that are. shit. We are all working through that shit. And there's some things that have already been worked through. So when we are looking at a sexy red, and we are and we are and we're judging the, judging her and making it making her seem like the pariah by not living up to what we think is I guess in what in what ways was I do you think I was doing that because I didn't think I was doing that in what ways do you think I was doing that because like I didn't I didn't see the I didn't see the connection because I was not intending you know that wasn't my intention so That'd be helpful to get your feedback on that. Because I know people are pushing back on the thing about voting. I, I, I know people are pushing back. That was specifically and, for and you. I think, it was, I think it was the context of the conversation that you were bringing I think, up. Yeah, I, think, I think for both of us, LJ, honestly, the, the biggest critique was the fact that we felt the need. I thought was like, wow. I think, I think the biggest critique would be that we felt the need to critique her, honestly, like looking back in it and attempting to dismantle my misogynoir in my head. I think that's what it was like. Why did I feel the the need to critique her at all? Why didn't I just share the information that I knew about her? But, uh, but again, me on me on my bullshit, me on my soapbox, honey, I cannot. I keep thinking about her with these AK-47s and the baby. Mm. It was not. Listen, it listen, it was not my topic. I didn't bring that topic. You won't find me bringing a topic like that for a reason. I just want to be very clear. The format of the show. I got a topic. Mm -hmm. Diamond got a topic. We got a topic. And then they bring it forward. And then we discuss it in real time. Yeah. So, like, that's what you're responding to. You're not responding to, like Diamond said earlier, us kind of talking through this or any kind of pre-conversation. So, yeah, if we would have probably talked about this a little ahead of time, I probably would have been like, you know, about edit that out or whatever or whatever you know what I'm saying? but i and, think that that's or whatever i'm not even edit that out but just like but more so like maybe i would have been more intentional about what I, you know what i'm saying or you just say hey that sounds kind of weird you know what i mean like i didn't pick up on that i think in, it's in also time, uh, what I'm saying. that that is a common trope about black people when it comes to voting i think that there is a common misconception that we don't turn out to vote, even though there's tons of examples, remember Alabama, where we actually saved many, many elections. Georgia, it's, there's a common misconception because the national vote things, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about other people. There is a common misconception that voting, even though voter suppression is a problem, that's one thing, um, but voting for black people, we have always been the ones who showed up and vote. That isn't really the things that stops us from voting is voter suppression. It's not 
<laughs> us not wanting and be invested. We don't have the luxury to not be invested the, in the same level as other demographics. Yes, everybody is down, but yeah. we are still the ones and that turn out a, the most. LJ, I want to say For sure, and because there's so much shit that's coming our way, to stop us from voting, that is why I'm just very vigorous around like whatever anybody can do to encourage people because these people are pulling all kinds of stunts between now and November 2024. So if they're pulling more stunts, I think we should have more armor on our side as well. And the Democratic Party won't do it because they're afraid of black leadership. So that's why their messaging sucks. We've been complaining about it since 2016. And every cycle we go, what do Democrats have? What do Democrats? They ain't going to be there. So we have to do it. That's all I'm saying. Like, you know, yeah, like, yes, we do turn out. And there's going to be a lot of things in the way that's going to try to fuck us up. Your voter registration might go missing. Whatever bullshit they're going to stunts, they're going to try to pull. All I'm saying is because we know that, like, whatever you can do, try to help. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I want to make a point um, to you personally, LJ, off topic. I want you to come here every session, every shoot, and bring your authentic self. I could imagine for me, I would feel a bit added pressure if I was the only trans woman on here. Um, so with you being our only trans masculine representation, I still want you to try and bring your true self and be as authentic as possible um, and not worry about saying all the right thing because that's what makes it entertaining. That's what gets the conversation started. And regardless of what you say and how you feel, you're going to connect with an audience. You're going to connect with a group of people out there. There's going to be people who are going to have those same thoughts and ideas. For sure, for sure. I think in my creation of this platform, it's never, it was never meant for us to all agree. It, it, and even when it was Mia and Z here on this platform prior to y'all two, there was, there was one, one of the reasons why, um, um one of my co-hosts left is because um you know they aligned with dave Chappelle. <laughs> we we have we're going there's going to be some times when there's going to be some glaring examples of systems that we have to dismantle um there's going to be some glaring examples of that and the vulnerability of talking it through is that's just gonna be there we're gonna we're 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 literally unlike somebody who may be listening working it through it in the privacy of your own home in the privacy of listening to a podcast we are working through it publicly on a platform and we're doing it because we want to have these conversations we want to um they're community conversations for they sure. are community yeah. conversations and that that is the purpose of us um talking about it because we want you to think about it we want you to hear how we are our banter back and forth about where we stand and what we feel about it that that may move you to have conversations in your own community and so definitely definitely that we will continue to um um, examine, we will continue to be wrong, we will continue to be right, we will continue to be um, in the middle, we, we, we're going to continue to be working through these systems as we 
will continue for the rest of our lives as as what as what was stated. Um, but I, we wanted to have this conversation because there was a big response. There were people are listening and there was a big response. And especially when somebody was using the languages, oh, I felt harmed by this conversation. Oh, I felt um, um, I felt like I was listening to an alpha male podcast. I was I, when when those things get being said to me as a person who, you know, who is curating this show. I it, 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 it raises a flag for me. So it has to be talked about. It has to be examined. It has to be explored. And I think it's important for us to explore. And it's important for um, y'all to know that we are publicly exploring this with y'all. This is not a secret yeah. conversation. And, yeah. you know, we're working through and it. I think, and I think I've shared on the show, too, before that I'm a, I'm a little neurodivergent. And so sometimes Same. I process things out while I talk, I like talk through it not necessarily think in my head through it. So sometimes I might say things that I'm like talking through and it's not like, this is a matter of fact statement. I'm just kind of like trying to process it. Um, so, so are you I, saying, just, just for clarity purposes, are you saying that sometimes you say things without thinking about them like you say thoughts out loud? Yeah, literally thinking out loud. Yeah, I would say that. Got or it. just like, like kind of, Using the connection so the shit makes sense in my head and trying to like sort it. You know, it's, you know, some people are like visual sorters mm -hmm. versus like if I, I just write it down or I just have it in my head, um, it can be overwhelming. Um, before so, we close, before we anyway. close this out, before we yeah. close this out, I want to make this point. One of the reasons why I asked like how we are um, dismantling some of these systems. I feel like what re Sexy Red, Sukiana, and people like her, what they represent is a visual of somebody who is divesting from classism. Whether you like that or not, whether you appreciate well, it. Are they, are they divesting from classism if they're making money off of it? Visual, not, they may not be divesting from um, capitalism. That can be a part of it. But the way they look, the way they are talking, the way they are speaking, the way they are presenting their image shows that they are divesting from class or we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> if they, there are people literally saying these is ratchet hood girls, they need to be classy. So they are the opposite of what I we feel think like is classy. I agree. To a certain extent, I just will throw out there, even though, like I said, I'm kind of analog girl in the digital world. But mm -hmm. I will say, people probably say the same thing about Meg and Cardi, who Cardi especially, definitely, I've heard people be like, oh, she had a glow up since she got her money. She got a da-da-da-da-da. She got a da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So do you think that's a divestment from classism, man? Still? I think that, I think there's a big difference between Party and just, sexy or, a lot of this shit is just nuanced. Yeah. I, I think there's I mean, a difference. I think there's a difference between Cardi um, and sexy. First of all, Cardi has the privilege of not being fully black. She, you know, well, I guess she can be black. There's this debate on if she's black or not. But her being Dominican, um, a black Dominican, let's say that. So, and light skin, that puts her in a whole other realm where people give her grace. And she 
she doesn't give a ratchet girl aesthetic. I don't think Cardi does. Her personality, not, sure. No, I'm saying when she first came, when she first when she first came out. A Same lot of kind of conversation. Talk to me about her. We're like, what's similar with around like sexy red? I'm mm -hmm. saying to me, like again, no, 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 I'm you are totally right. No, and right. so that's why I asked that. That's why I asked that question is because is I heard similar talk about Cardi when she when she was still just like on reality TV trying to figure it out and all this mm -hmm. other shit before she blew up. And so that's why that's why I asked that question because it's, it's there's some parallels. Being unapologetically their hood ratchet ghetto self is a visual and behavioral divestment from what is classy. That's what it is. Or we wouldn't be, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. If they were trying to code switch and be all fancy and classy, then they would be fitting the stereotype of what they are supposed to be doing. Nobody would have a problem. They would be classy. But because they are not, and they're saying, no, I am not. But I want to say particularly Sukiyana and sexy red they because there is a particularly black align hood align aesthetic that they are putting out <laughs> they got the baby hairs with the lace front there is a particularly hood black aesthetic that is going on with them and they are not trying to change it and they are unapologetically about it and that is a visual divestment of class this not on them spending money you know, blah, blah, blah. But it that's what it looks like. This when you got me feeling so guilty because, you know, if if you're familiar when I first came on Diamond, it was I was a lot more authentic on camera. I've lost some of my authentic authenticity on camera just because I I needed or or just because I feel the need to be able to earn money online. When social media turns into an income for me, I started code switching. And so, and that uh, another point where I was making, I think that's a great point. I said, to me, I feel like class and capitalism are where we find ourselves making those compromises. We don't do it with race. We, we You can sometimes, but that is really common to not do it in those spaces because we black and we, we we're just accustomed to busting busting up against white supremacy in a certain sense. But I think how, class, how are these? Okay. I think class and capitalism, because that can be happen behind closed doors there and, and people don't see the kind of compromises we're making about social media compromises we're making. We have to be intentional about about that stuff. I think that's an easy way for us to sell ourselves out ourselves and sell our community out. And so we have to pay attention to those things. What was you about to say, Jay? What are your responses uh, to these questions? Like, how do, how do these things show up for you? So for me, which one? Which one? What, which oh, one? Either oh, one? All oh, of them? Yeah. Um, so how do I um, divest from beauty standards? Hmm. I've been natural for 10 years. So, but I like changing my hair. So I do short, I do short natural, I do curly, I do straight, I do whatever. But having that freedom to do whatever, that's how I divest from it. To be able to say, hey, I'm not just doing straight. <laughs> I'm not just doing long. That kind of divestment is my way of divesting. Um, 
Them wigs are work. Them wigs are work, my love. <laughs> I'm praying for y'all. I'm so glad. I'm so grateful that I got comfortable in my natural hair. Um, being comfortable with showing my body fat or skinny. I, j the same way that I was showing my body when I was skinny, I show my body now as a plus size girl. Um, and when I get skinny, when this the surgery kick in, I'm going to show it. That kind of doing what, making sure that I'm not ashamed of it, either wherever I sit, was important for me to do. Because I know fat phobia is real. I don't code switch. I, when you meet me in person, you don't met me in person. I talk like this in person. I talk how I talk. I don't, you don't see me switching how I talk up. When you, if you watch any interview with me on um on TV, you watch any interview with me on even when I was at Stanford, I was cussing. <laughs> I'd have been on the Stanford stage, I'd have been on TV. I I do you're gonna always see diamond. You're gonna I I don't want you to hear me putting on my white person interview voice <laughs> yes i'm a cold switch at that interview because i need that coin compromise about that money but when i don't have to in regards to hey you brought me here so you're gonna get the authentic diamond i'm gonna talk about who shit. i'm gonna talk about it in a layman way even though i got a degree i'm, I'm i feel like i'm a i'm a person who likes to speak in a way that is layman i like i like to take academic terms and make them accessible that is what mm -hmm. you just said what you just said about okay so then sometimes when i have to do these interviews for the media i think i just want to note that you just you just explain like some there's nuance mm -hmm. right there i just think it's important uh because i do think some folks think i gotta be right all the time i gotta be perfect all the time i gotta have one and it's like no this is you know like what we were talking about earlier mm -hmm. this is a ongoing journey within community you know yes. what I'm saying? And so, you know, that's how we grow. If you don't fucking get to talk about it with people, odds are you're not going to grow around the shit. Right. So but, I, but I just want to throw it out there. Um, class. I don't know. I don't know about class. I, I just, I don't, I don't live, I don't want to live in the suburbs. I, um, I guess it would be, um, trying to think where I'm I don't I don't know about class I can't really specifically answer that where that would be um an issue for me I like hood shit I go to I go to the hood I I, I don't live in the suburbs I don't live in the hood but I'm very close your to active your active your active resistance yeah my active resistance is I just don't is me not wanting to move from it I want to be safe so i'm a trans woman I, i've lived in the hood so i know how to navigate you know certain things and so i want to be safe so i'm not gonna go in houston one of our hoodiest hoods is like sunnyside i'm probably never gonna live in sunnyside i'm never gonna move into that space just oh i just want to be in the hood no but i'm also not gonna move to tomball and the woodlands and katie and because i don't want to be that far away from my folks i want to be where my folks is at and I don't, I don't, I don't think the culture of the suburb is for me. I don't appreciate it. But I also don't have kids. Maybe if I had a child and wanted a and wanted a better a school with more resources, that's what my classism would say. Hey, girl, you might want to move out to Katie. They got better systems. But I don't have that. I'm only me, and so I don't have to make that kind of compromise. But I think if I had children, I might. 
because I will want them to be at schools that have resources. I got friends that are hood. I got friends that are educated. Um, I don't know. I, I can't. I can't really answer it about class because I. I don't think that that's something that appreciating appreciating luxury more than I should. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that one. I don't know where it shows up, but I, I for me, when I feel like I am, I don't know. I just never feel like I'm pushing hood people away. So I don't in any kind of way. I'm 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 they're in my community. I'm in community with them. And so I don't I don't feel like I'm I'm separate. There are some things about me that are separate, you know, like you said, degreed and da 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 da. But I also know hood people with no degrees that know way more than me. That done read more books that done. I mean, but and, and then for you, Diamond, I don't know what, what you breathe too, you know, like because I have my friendship is our cross class, across different classes. How does how does that show up for you like in your like interpersonal? Um, to be honest, my friend group is very tight knit. Um, I, I don't let a lot of people in. I'm one of those people who I'm cool with a lot of people. I, you know, associate with a lot of people. I speak to a lot of people. But my close-knit friend group is very small. And there is diversity, of course, but not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, we, we have known each other most of our lives. And when we met, we were a lot more diverse than we are now because we are like-minded people, which is why we are a friend group. Um, we've moved in a lot of the same direction at this point in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think of, I remember when I was younger, and I think this is, my mother was a drug addict. And so, hood girl, being a hood girl, country hood, all the same time. Um, and I think because of my mom, I had to work out class shit really, really early. Because I remember a, a, a situation when I was in sixth grade, my mom, I think I told this story when I when I honored my mom on um on her on my on, on Marsha's plate when I did a show about my mom when she passed away. Um there was a situation where my I was embarrassed by my mom coming to my graduation. I wanted her to come, but there was also I didn't want her to show up like her day to day because she was a drug addict. So her hair was always all over her head. You know, she just she didn't present like something that I would be proud of. And so when I was graduating, I remember thinking, oh, my God. I want my mama to come, but oh my God, is she gonna come like that? Is she gonna come looking like a clucker? Is she and these are things that I said to myself. She's gonna come looking like a clucker. She's gonna come look like a dolphin. And she showed up and she was looking bad as hell. She got her, she somebody did her hair. She had some makeup on. She had some, um, you know, she was dressed in a black dress with gold buttons. She was looking fire. She was looking like the mama that I remember showing up to school. And I remember, ooh, sorry. I remember being ashamed of my mom. 
and being in that, not of her, but being ashamed that I felt that about my mom, my fucking mom who had been my rider since the birth, since everything. The fact that I'm caring about these white motherfuckers at this fucking school, I'm caring about these motherfuckers that call me fags every fucking day. I, I'm feeling, I felt shame that I was going to be ashamed of my fucking mom. In that moment, I remember being in the hallway and my mother, my mother wiping my tears. She thought that I was crying because she showed up looking nice. And, and I wanted her to keep that mindset. And she was, and she said it, she was like, I'm going to always be there for you because I'm your mama. And so she thought I was crying about that. What I was crying for, because I was so ashamed that I was embarrassed of my, that I was mm-hmm. going to be embarrassed of my mom. And I felt mm-hmm. like, bitch, who the, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is your mother. This is your ride or die. And so because of that, I feel like early in my life, I worked through, because that was a class thing to me too. Because I did grow up in the church and these type of women, these t- the, the, the drug addicts and the and the the whores and the da-da-da-da-da, what it looked like, the street girls, street walkers. She was because she was in her addiction, she was looking like that. And so, and you know, niggas was making fun of me, like, oh, uh, your mama dolphin, I can get her to suck my dick for some crack rock. This was what niggas was doing for me. So these was the women's, these were the women that the church folks was talking about when they was preaching against them. And so in that moment, in my, you know, six year, sixth grade self, I had already been working through that. I had been working through it in that class stuff with my family being country. And I'm not talking about just Southern. I'm talking about rural country, Walnut Grove, Mississippi, eating clay <laughs> eating mississippi dirt mm-hmm. i'm talking about country that's not of a high class that's my family and so that i have i have worked i don't want to say i'm totally dismantled it because like you said we are working through it all the time but that type of stuff it was so prevalent in my youth that i do think that i have gotten really really far in working through that so Oh, I'm sorry for getting emotional about my mama, but, <laughs> but yes, that now, is, I can relate. And I don't, I don't want y'all to think that is, you know, all peaches and cream over here, you know, um, I'm mid vibrational, honey, you know, I'm, I'm from the hood, <laughs> but I'm from the hood, but I, but I am degreed, you know, um, I do, I do come from drug addict parents and all those things, but the friend group that I have they're all understanding we all pretty much come from the same place to a certain extent, um, or at least where it matters. And, and, and for us, our, our, our class status and also our class, our class views are the similarities that we have um, that, that, that we align. You know, the, those are the ways that we align and that's why and how we get along. And I want to make it very clear, wanting nice things, wanting to be in a nice house, wanting to have a nice car, wanting to have nice things is not a problem. Wanting to have nice things for your community is not a problem. Wanting 
just the best out of life is not a problem. The problem is... Hmm? Where striving to be better than your parents is not a problem. It's not a problem. When, But when the problem comes in is when you start to disparage people who haven't got the success at doing that as you. When they haven't got to the level as you and who you looking back and looking down. Uh, Diamond, I would add... Too, you know, in my own personal navigation around class, because, you know, like I said, kind of always being at an intersection where, you know, as a kid, you know, Saturdays, it was people over there smoking, doing whatever they was doing. The blues, Sunday was at church. The week was the week, you know, and then, uh, like I shared before, I got into middle school and then we moved basically to suburbia. Everything else was pretty much still the same. The class part was still the same. The house changed, but every all that hood shit did not change. Okay. And so <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was just like, you know, I was kind of in this juxtaposition where it's like this image makes me think X, but it's like reality is over here and it's Y. And I'm competing kind of thing. But as I've gotten older, um, and because of all that different spaces, you know, I try to be conscious about how I talk about stuff with people, regardless if they have money or not, or if they have the same type of opportunities. You know, I got friends, you know, you, you know, you travel, got friends that travel and shit. I'm not gonna hit up my homie that has 20 fucking million dollars just to float. Be like, yeah, what you doing? I'm going to Paris. I'm gonna die. Uh, like my tone about that, I'm gonna be conscious about that. That's how that's also how classism shows up, where it's like, why are you just not doing nothing? I'm doing this. I'm doing because time is a luxury that comes with having comes with having money because this is a capitalist country. Right. And so um, but I just want to put that example around like classism and class consciousness, um, you know, when you for my at least for myself, you know, having friends, having folks that are just kind of, you know, over that spectrum and also being somebody that flow has floated in different parts of it particularly in my adulthood right like i've had good money no money in between money da, 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 da. i ain't eating all the things right and so um yeah and so like that's something that also like informs how I approach things with other people because i've been both the person that people are like you bougie and i'm like okay or you two ghetto Period. I've been both as well. <laughs> the whole spectrum and everything in fucking between. And the because that's all this aesthetic shit making us that ain't it. And black people in particular, our formula does not equal when it comes to class. We know, especially for black women, it don't equal that math don't math. So like you can be poor as fuck. And have completely financial economic instability and have a master's degree, right? Or be working to die essentially to get these things, particularly for black women who are cis in particular, doing all this shit and got all this paperwork and all this debt, right? It's like, yeah, I got all this debt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I got a degree and I know things. So it's, it's it, it, you know, we can't be quick to make assumptions because stature for black people does not. Uh, economic stability or or uh, class stuff in a certain way. It absolutely does not. I look a lot better on paper than I am in real life as far as class and finance. 
Honey, people have a lot of expectations with me being published and me being very successful at psychology, but we have to keep things in mind, honey. We have to keep my own mental health in mind. You know, I am still a Black transgender woman in this country. <laughs> I have been traumatized. You know, student loans are real, honey. Um, we are currently living in a recession, depression, regression. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I I I don't I I'm a working class. I'm a working class woman. We all are working class people. <laughs> um um one last thing that I want to talk about in this. Um there is a colorism conversation um in regards to um Sexy Red and Sukiyana, but as a light skinned girl, I'm not going to get into that. There are tons of dark skinned people who oh, are, I can get into it. Yes, I can, who explaining I can get, that. Honey, I can get into it, honey, because a lot of things that... I can't get into it. A lot, a, lot of things that, a lot of things that I want people to keep in mind about Sexy Red, honey. First of all, I want, I want y'all to keep in mind, just make a point. Before we got on this live, I was checking my Instagram notifications and some tranny chaser is on my Instagram trying to degrade Sexy Red Meanwhile, he follows me and all of my sisters. Honey, <laughs> boy, have some receipts. You know who you are. But something else I want to point out, they make a big deal about the surgeries and they make a big deal about, oh, we want a girl that comes out with natural body and we want a girl that ain't doing all the makeup and the black. Sexy Red ain't doing that. She ain't doing She sexy, is wearing her sexy, natural body. Sexy Red, sexy Red has her natural body. Honey, sexy red wears little to no makeup. You might yes. catch her with a lash on and a washed face, honey, in a lace front throne. Yeah. Honey, you might catch her in some sweatpants. Honey, she ain't all done up all the time. It ain't designer. And I, I, I definitely don't. Yeah, and I know y'all know I don't know because y'all drag. You're like that man. He old. He don't know nothing. Why he don't know no? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I told y'all, you know why? I told y'all why I checked out of a lot of mainstream hip hop, commercial hip hop, and always kind of been whatever like that since I was young. But I checked out during that uncut, like the mid 2000s, because of the misogyny, because of the misogyny in hip hop and how like old it was during that era, slash R. Kelly, like it just was too much. And so that's a part of the reason I ain't really, I kind of checked out anyway, but that's. Yeah, and that's that's, out, and that's, the 2000s. I was like, I'm done. Okay. And it's crazy the the reverse um the reverse misogynist gymnastics that a lot of the black men are out here doing and I'm sure a lot of the viewers may have associated you with a lot of them as well. But they're doing a lot of mental gymnastics to make it make sense for them to be in love with a video girl Instagram model who shows her ass more than her face. But then here you got Sexy Red, here you got Sukiana who takes agency in their sexuality, who are not being pawns for somebody in their video. They are the star in the video. You know what I mean? Um, all of these things are, are, are very valid points, but I do want us to keep in mind, I just can't get over, I live for Sukiana, but I just can't get over um, Sexy Red with the baby in these AK-47. Sexy Red don't work with the baby. No more. Uh, get us AK-47 back to Osama Bin Laden and um, the Jihad and all of them over there at the Ukraine war. Mind your damn business, bitch. Now, <laughs> honey, mind your business and mind your pussy. 
We don't need you perpetuating gangs violence amongst these niggas. They kill each other fast enough. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, if you were harmed by last week's show, we sorry. We hope that we was more thorough this episode in, in stating our particular stands, in discussing it. We hope that you were not harmed. We hope that you um, give us grace in that we are publicly discussing yeah, this. Compassion. We're human beings, homie. It's Mental Health Awareness Month, homie. So, yes. like, chill out a little bit. Yes. And we will continue to give, we'll continue even more to give grace to, you know, people like Sexy Red and Sukiana and, uh, you know, whoever falls within that category that y'all think is not good enough to represent the vast, the vastness of Black womanhood and Blackness as a whole. Um, But tell us what y'all think and hashtag Marsha's Plate. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme euphoria, more than peace of mind. It's the joy and space to change the tide. Gimme, gimme, gimme you a feeling and a high you never What has been bringing y'all euphoria this week? Oh, Lord, honey. All the messy shit. I love the drama, honey. Yes. Trigger, you know, and this goes in line with what we were talking about today. (laughs) Trigger warning, I'm always going to play devil's advocate. I'm always going to get the conversation started. When I seen all the messages and all that interaction and all the negative things y'all had to say about me, oh, that burnt the fire in my pussy. Let me (laughs) tell you. Baby, honey, the fairy puss was taking <laughs> off the rocket ship. Honey, I I live, I live off of that energy, and that's one of the me- reasons I think that I'm meant to be a public figure for the community. Because for a lot of people, that energy crushes them, and and it would shy them away, and it would scare them. But for me, honey, I live and breathe, breathe and eat it. You know, um, I I love attention being on my thoughts and my opinions. I love it. I love it. I'm here for it. But with that being said, honey, it's been the mess overall, not just me being messy, but the mess of Zeus Network has been giving me joy this week as well in so many ways. Baddies East premiere, honey, a hot fucking mess, baby. Um, Krishan and Blueface is back together, a hot fucking mess. Um, who else? What else? Wait, after oh, she had the baby, they back together. She, you know, she she dissed them and kicked them off. It's giving, it's giving. He crawling back. It's giving. Oh. He back, but she just be so damn dumb. For me, the dumb part be the coins. Like, girl, why is you give keep giving him coin and ownership over your lightness and over everything that you do, child, honey? Like the only money that the nigga is making is yours, baby. But Zeus Network also, um, they have been giving me a lot of hope. I was watching um, an interview with Lemmy Pepperwings, the CEO and founder of Zeus, and he is hell-bent on diversifying Zeus Network. And for the kids in the back of the class, he made it very clear that he's using this ratchet content to make a profit to produce 
and diversify Zeus Network. So I'm excited about it. I'm going to be here for the mess and I'm here for the diversity and I'm here for the Black owned in general. For you this week. Well, after processing everything. Because <laughs> I, I was like, oh, ageism. Oh, we're being picky and choosy with ableism. Oh, only when it suits us. Okay. So that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. We can't be doing that, y'all. Um, but uh no, I was actually I was I was I was excited. The the engagement was exciting. I actually did bring the euphoria. Um one, because that means people are listening, but two, like we really do talk about stuff like in this platform that uh, folks in the community are talking about and oftentimes like don't, you know, whatever. So I, yeah, anyway, so that got me excited. Also, um, I spent the rest of, this is kind of euphoric, but not really, but kind of, I had to spend the week at home last week because I got a thing, my ankle was still kind of injured. So I got to hang out at the crib and it was actually pretty, pretty chill. Mm. You know, I'm ready to get back out. I gotta do another week ready to not be in the house. But last week it was a little lit to have a little little week off, uh work from home. Um yeah. Yeah, it was a little got a lot I got good sleep, you know, and that's always good. Mm. What else? So Diamond, what about you? What's bringing you for this week? Oh, gosh. So I was home. So I just came back from my summer vacation. I went to um, um, went to Mexico because it's a cheap trip. Anytime I want a little quick, cheap getaway, I went to Mexico. And so it's easy for me to get there because I'm in Houston. <laughs> and so it's easy and accessible. Um, when I, that's why I'm so tan. Do y'all see my beautiful tan? <laughs> um, but when I came home, I didn't have shit to do. So I watched a um, documentary about Danielle Luna on HBO Max. And she is the first Black supermodel. And it was eye-opening and it was amazing. I felt like it had some elements of mental health. It had some elements of race. It had some elements of patriarchy, elements of beauty. It had tons of information and it was nostalgic because, you know, she came to fame um, in the 60s and yeah, she broke a lot of ground and didn't get a lot of opportunities because she was a black model, um, but she broke a lot of ground too. And so I watched it, it was amazing. And if you don't know, I do a live show on YouTube um, every Friday at seven o'clock. And I usually discuss something like, you know, like a documentary or discuss whatever a hot topic. Like last week we talked on my live, um, we talked about, um, you know, Sukiyana Sekiro, basically what we, we talked about today, just in a more from a feminist standpoint um, and had a great time doing that. So this Friday, I will be talking about um, Danya Luna and the documentary there. So if you want to check it out, come join me. But that is what, um, what brought me euphoria this week watching that amazing documentary about the first black supermodel Danielle luna who was on my wall her <laughs> so yes that was my euphoria this week so all right i think we did a show <laughs> okay okay and we will see y'all next week. And yes, I love y'all. Thank y'all for being so open and vulnerable. And I appreciate y'all. 
always, honey. I love you too. Yes. And thanks for listening. Yes. Hashtag Marshall's plate, y'all. Hit us up. Bye-bye. Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right.